Hey there, this is Mike and you're listening to Feeling Twisted. I'm really glad you're here. Do you know what an earworm is? It might be called something else where you're from, but I'm talking about a song that once I hear it, or even if I uh, read about it or hear someone mention the name, it starts playing on autopilot in my mind all day. A couple of songs that do it for me, of course, probably the most popular one is Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. I'll pause a second so you can start singing that one in your head. (laughs) Or maybe Baby Shark. That one does it for me too. And of course, the Law and Order theme. Anytime I watch any police procedural series, even if it has nothing to do with Law and Order, the Law and Order theme song starts playing and I hear that little sound effect every time the show goes to uh, another scene, that (laughs) dum-dum. Those three songs take up the space in my head all day once I hear them. I can't get rid of that earworm or sticky song by just waiting it out. I need to replace it with another song, get some other tune going on, a palate cleanser. (laughs) This is what I think about when I read the quote from Neville Goddard's lecture, Three Propositions. Listen within yourself and observe your internal mental conversations for the state is singing its own song and it reveals itself in man's inner speech. Do you have thoughts that seem to be running on automatic, on a loop, like an earworm, just going over and over? And you're screaming at yourself, why do I keep thinking these things? Get out of my head! (laughs) It's the same way with our inner conversations, our mental activity. For many years, I let it all run on automatic, playing out the same junk, the same circumstances over and over, following this circular path, not realizing that just waiting for things to change wouldn't work. My inner speech, reactions, thoughts, beliefs, they all make up the song my state is singing. And the song won't change until I move into a different state of consciousness, until I choose a new state of being and move into it in my imagination. I'll continue following the same path until I make the decision to take a different path, to do something else, to be something else. It has to be me. In the same talk, Neville explains what he means by state. He says, If I must be conscious of the thing I am seeking before I find it, then the only thing to do is to acquire that state of consciousness. A state of consciousness is the sum total of all a man believes, accepts, and consents to as true. It need not be true. It could be false, a half-truth, a lie, a superstition, or a prejudice. But the sum total of a man's beliefs constitutes his state of consciousness. It is the house in which he abides. As long as he remains in that house, similar problems will confront him and the circumstances of his life will remain the same. He may move physically, 
but he will encounter similar conditions because he can't get away from the house in which he abides. As long as I remain in that state, I'll continue experiencing things that further anchor me to that state. Like the earworm song, the state just keeps running the same old stuff again and again. So how can we better understand the state we're in? In the same lecture, Neville explains, if you will listen attentively and uncritically to what you are saying inwardly, you will discover the state. Then it will not surprise you that things are as they are, for you will hear within yourself the cause of the phenomena of life. What you are inwardly saying and doing is far more important than what you outwardly know or express. When you know what you are doing inwardly, you can change it. If you have never uncritically observed your reactions to life, if you are totally unaware of your subjective behavior, then you are unaware of the cause of the things in your world. But if you become aware of the state, then you simply go about changing it. Man stands forever in the presence of an infinite and eternal energy from which all things proceed, but it follows definite patterns. It doesn't move out of man and crystallize in some strange haphazard manner. It follows a definite track. The track it follows is laid down by the man himself in his own internal conversations. I can tell the state I'm in by noticing what's running through my mind throughout the day. I love what he says there, and he says the same thing in The Coin of Heaven, which I talked about in two episodes recently. I'm standing in the presence of an infinite and eternal energy from which all things proceed, and my state forms the patterns the energy takes. And my life is evidence of that pattern. It shows up in my beliefs, my thoughts, reactions, circumstances that seem to be outside of me. My entire world is a reflection of my state. The only reason my world is the way it is, is because I assume it will be. Even the aches in my body remain because I go to sleep at night, assuming they'll be there in the morning. My eyesight gets worse as I age because I assume it will. There's always drama in my family or on my Facebook feed because I assume there's going to be drama. My life is the way it is because I've persisted in those assumptions. I am is the cause. God's name is I am, not they are. <laughs> I kill and make alive. I wound and I heal. I create poverty and wealth. I create dark and the light. I do it. There is no other God beside me. Now, I'm quoting the Old Testament there, but there's absolute freedom in knowing that you are the one speaking there. I cannot just hope things will change over time. If I don't take action because I'm the only cause, then I'll be tossed about from one state to another, thinking the conditions of my world are the cause. I am the cause. I can't pin my circumstances on anyone else. I don't have an alibi. 
I was nowhere near that imaginal act. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> I can't say it wasn't me or that I had nothing to do with it. I am always present. My I amness is. It's not was or will be. I cannot be elsewhere. I am that I am. I'm that one. <laughs> There's nowhere I can be that is separate from the one cause. So no more excuses. I can't keep saying he, she, they did it. I am the operant power. Accepting my own harvest was one of the most challenging things for me when I first started exploring all of this. No more blaming my wife or kids or my upbringing. It isn't the government or the economy. I can't blame bacteria or viruses. No matter what I might be confronted with in my life, I am the cause. Oh, that was tough for me. It was both frightening and beautiful. The frightening part was first, like, oh crap, I'm the cause? <laughs> and then the beauty showed up. The love showed up. Oh, I am the cause. Hmm. Think about it. How would you feel realizing that there is no one and nothing keeping you from realizing your dreams? I don't care how permanent the diagnosis is or how crappy the news reports say the economy is. There isn't anything outside of you that has any power to stop you. In the coin of heaven, when Neville is talking about this infinite and eternal energy, he says that he sees things rising from this energy, one scene after another, taking form based on the pattern we make with our interactivity from our state. Those patterns take three-dimensional form in your world and will continue taking the same form until you change the pattern by changing your state. It's always on. It's not a, a spigot that you turn on and off when you're ready to manifest something. Your entire world is taking shape because of what's going on within you, because of this energy. You are this energy whatever you want to call it, God, the consciousness, you are it. Life is always shaping and reshaping based on the pattern produced by the state. And it only exists the way it does because of my awareness of it. Things are the way they are in my life because of the state I habitually return to. So when I want to make changes in my life, I form new habits. I take any desire for myself or for another, and wherever I am, I imagine the fulfillment of the wish. I do it as often as I notice my inner conversations are not from the premise of the fulfilled desire. And I do it until it becomes a habit. I've moved into a new state. More from Neville, this energy, which is only thinking, moving across the tracks laid down in my own inner conversations will result in changes in my outer world. If I repeat the conversations, doing it often, it becomes a habit. Then I will find that while I am about my father's business in the outer world, I am inwardly, through habit, carrying on these changed and livelier conversations. 
Now, a transformation of consciousness will definitely result in a change of environment and conditions. By transformation, I mean when the state into which I have moved becomes a habit and grows stable, it expels from my consciousness all of its rivals. Then that central habitual state defines my character and constitutes my new world. As you go about your daily routine, notice your interactivity. What conversations are you having in your imagination? If they aren't from the premise of your wish fulfilled, change it right there. As you wash dishes, hear something different for yourself. How would the experience of daily chores or your commute to work be if your wish was already true? I love thinking of my interactivity as a song. What song am I singing? Am I running the same old tune, letting the same stuff play out in my life? Or am I going to make the decision today to change it? I'm going to come back to this lecture, three propositions. There's a lot more in this one that I want to talk about, but I don't want to go long with this episode. So I'll probably pick it up on the next episode, 210. Until then, I love you. I'm feeling twisty. Thank you.